first experience with corn was the freak on leash video and then which i thought the video was cool but i didn't like the song but then i heard got the life on the radio on k-rock one day and that that literally changed everything (laughs) that got the life changed the way i looked at music Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music, and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! Hey! Oh, wait! Hey! 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 This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different band, different artists, and we break down one of the records. We get into all the songs, the lyrics, how it was made, artwork, everything you can imagine, and we try to have a good time doing it. My name is Tyler. Way out there, hundreds of miles away is Jeff. While you're listening, go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and five stars only. Please go do that. All the social media is at Asinine Radio. And uh, with all of that being said and done... Let's get into the album. So what are we doing this week, Jeff? We are doing uh, Korn's Follow the Leader. So, uh, Jeff, what is your, uh, what's your origin story with the Korn's? Go. I think it was, uh, I think it was Follow the Leader. I, I, I remember having this, I remember buying it through the Columbia House Penny's record CD thing. Um, wow. I had this one in, in Issues. And then um, I didn't like him that much, to be honest. I liked him because the singles were cool. Never really went back to him that often. And then never really listened to Corn again until you made me listen to Corn, essentially. <laughs> a hundred still, times. Still to this day. <laughs> until you made me dragged listen to you, 14 fucking Corn albums this week. Dragged you to multiple Corn shows, too, over the and, years. And I, I think it was just like, I, I really, I just think it's MTV. Like, we grew up listening or watching MTV and listening to the music on MTV. And that was the time where MTV was pretty pretty inclusive about the genres that they were they were putting up. And yeah. so, um, I mean, we'll talk about MTV videos and corn related. But uh, yeah, I think it was just, I think it was, uh, I think it was this song, right? Um, Freak on a Leash is what, it's a cool video. It's a fucking cool video. Yeah, it's know. a really cool video. Absolutely. And I think that's my, that's my origin story. I just, I saw him on, on probably TRL or something and bought him and then never listened to him again until you maybe <laughs> listen to him again. <laughs> 14 times or 14 <laughs> albums worth. Um, my, uh, my origin story is pretty much the same. It was, it was freak on a leash. Um, but I remember not liking it. I was, it was so weird. It kind of scared me. And then my mom said it was devil worshiping music and I, I not allowed to listen to it. And so that was the, that was my first, that was my first experience with corn was the freak on leash video. And then, which I thought the video was cool, but I didn't like the song, but then I heard got the life on the radio on K rock one day and that that literally changed everything (laughs) that got the life changed the way I looked at music entirely. I just, that was, that was a turning point in my, as stupid as it is, that was a turning point in my life was hearing got the life for the first time sitting on my bed, listening to K rock on the radio. And then I recorded the song the next time it came on on a cassette tape and I, 
played that song on repeat and then I eventually got follow follow the leader I ended up getting it secretly I got it um I had my grandma buy it for me told her that my mom said it was okay to get and then my Damn. mom had a fucking meltdown when she found out that I bought it and she threw the CD I remember I was in the car and she found out she's like give me the fucking CD and I said I don't have it I don't have it She's like, I know you have it. Give me the fucking CD. And then she took it and then she threw it in the car. And it didn't break though. Nothing broke. It just exploded and went everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fucking stupid. <laughs> so good. It's almost as good as the story with your dad and the Kid Rock CD. Oh my God. I just told Ray that story the other day, actually. That's funny. It's almost as good as that one and your dad with the Backstreet Boys CD. That's another good one, too. Oh, that was so embarrassing. <laughs> Backstreet Boys, <laughs> dumb. Anyway, corn. Um. Uh. So yeah, th- that that's my origin story. What, what are your What are your thoughts on this record now, though? What do you got? Uh, so like, yeah. Last time we did the corn, did, did the corns in the pod. I didn't like this, and I think it was just corn overload. I I broke up this corn listen through with other things, and I didn't go in chronological order, either ascending or descending. It was just completely mm-hmm. random. And so I realized that this album is not—it's not like a great album. It's, it's not a landmark album like, like Corn's Corn was, well, but, but it—it it really because it is a landmark album, I guess, for the genre because it really propelled the genre into like everybody's eye. Like people now took it seriously for some reason, as opposed yeah. to when Corn's Corn came out. Um, but, <laughs> but it's not—it's not as good as Corn's Corn by any means. Like by, agreed. I don't know. There's something special about this one. It's goofy in just the right ways. It's it's not good in some aspects, but because it's not good, makes it perfect for the 90s, makes it perfect for the genre, and makes it perfect for this band. And so I think me looking at it now, especially coming off of new metal season, I, I like it more because I understand it more, I guess. Mm-hmm. I understand yeah. what it did for other bands more. Yep. I so I, I think this is I think this record is just as important as Corn's Corn, only because this propelled the genre and the band into the mainstream, like properly into the mainstream. They were easily the biggest band in the world for several years. Bigger than Limbiscuit, even though Limbiscuit sold more with, with hot dog flavored water when that came out, but the band this corn was still the biggest at that at that point. I would agree. This record is a it's extremely important to to the music industry to to music history in general because of what they were doing on this record that pioneered essentially pioneered how we kind of view music and videos nowadays with you know we'll get into it a little, a little bit later but with corn tv their utilization of the of the internet um the way they marketed this record was was pretty insane no band had really done it the way they did it um, and just this band, this band is so innovative from the music to the videos to every, to how they promoted the music to their shows. Everything is just so fucking amazing about this band and they're not talked about enough and it's not fucking cool. So, it's, and the stories behind the recording of this record are, I think are, are interesting and one of the last true rock and roll bands, really like true rock, like because that shit's fucking stupid. Yeah, because like I don't yeah. know, like who wants to do that? That just, just sounds so detrimental to your <laughs> overall psyche and health. 
<laughs> to drink yeah. this and they like they they the amount of like beer they drank yeah what? so they so so let, let's just talk a little bit about that that as the party aspect so at this point in their career every band member were they were hooked on drugs various illicit drugs like you know jonathan was doing meth all the time head was doing meth field he was doing meth booze was just flowing everywhere not just beer but liquor as well every i mean it's just it was just insanity the the partying that was happening during this record they estimated that they spent over sixty thousand dollars just on beer and liquor just on beer and liquor that's a lot over like a four-month span over just a four-month span um and that doesn't include all the the crazy drugs the cocaine the, the everything you know what i mean so the partying stories and how just when they were recording this, every band wanted to hang out with Corn at this time because it was always a fucking good time. And, it, and, but it, it affected, it also affected the band to where they had a hard time recording it because they were so fucked up all the time. And, you know, vocal takes that what it should have take, been done in two or three takes. It would take Jonathan like 20 takes to do it because he would be throwing up while he was singing because he'd be singing so hard and he'd be so fucked up that he would just throw up. And you know, the, the story, the sex stories, you know, the, or like during the song it's on, there was orgies going on around him while or people were fucking in the vocal booth with him while, you know, he was recording that song. It's just, the stories are insane on this one. It's just a fucking blur. It's just like, they, no way these guys remember this, this, this time as a part, apart from just, bits and pieces yeah yep there's no way and i did i did um head did do an interview a few years ago where he said that follow the follow the leader was the last record they did where they all were in a room together and wrote every song together nothing was done because normally after this record after jonathan got sober after follow the leader he did everything separate he would come in after all the music was written and then do the melodies and the lyrics and everything like that. But follow the, follow the leader was the last time they, they all created together. And head also said, this is like kind of like the closest they, they all were with one another um, as like friends and bandmates and everything like that. And then after this, it was, um, it was a downward. It was really just a shit show after this. JD already had a kid at this point though. Yeah, yeah, his like first kid was, was born like in ninety four. Three, four years yeah, was, old almost. It was born. He was born right after the first record came out. It's crazy. And then at the during during the recording sessions of this one, Head had a kid, and so did Fieldy. Head and Fieldy had a kid too during the recording sessions of this record. <laughs> yeah, these fucking, fucking insane. guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? Oh my god, dude, it's it's insane. This band is wild, but so let's um let, let's talk about stinkers. Do we have any stinkers on this one? No. Okay, I don't either. I have thirteen bangers. <laughs> um, how many bangers do you have? I think Two? I have nine. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, nine. I have nine. Uh, nine bangers. All right. So let's uh let let's get let's get freak on a leash. You know, done and over with. Uh, since we already played it. This is the biggest single off the record. This is arguably their big, the biggest single they ever put out um, for obvious reasons. I mean, it's truly iconic. The The chorus is so fucking catchy. The weird, spooky guitars, the scatting during the bridge, which everybody knows best that you like to make fun of. 
<laughs> the song is iconic. The video is iconic too. They worked with Todd McFarlane who did Spawn, uh, the, the comic book series. Um, and I forgot the girl's name, but whatever. Um, yeah, the video is iconic too with the bullet flying through and almost killing everybody. It's, it's great. So what, what do you have on this one? What, what, what bees is for you? Freak on a Leash is my, oh, where the fuck am I ranking? It's not your one B. No, 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 no. Freak on a Leash is my six B. Okay. Where does it sit for you? It's my two B. Okay, this that's fine. That's fine. Two B. You're, you're, this is new for you. This band is new for you. So I, uh, I, I would love to hear what other four songs you think are better than Freak on a Leash because <laughs> the song is, the song is unreal. The song is fantastic. That bass is so fucking low. It's this super low frequency yeah. that just like digs into your brain. And like, dude, that's such an iconic guitar part. It's so new metal. Yeah. It's like defining. It's the it's dueling amazing. guitars. The, 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 the high pitched guitar part during the verses and the intro. It's the, the dueling guitars. Like you think it's one guitar, but when you really sit down and, and listen with headphones on, you could hear the back and forth. Like they're just perfectly in sync with one another. It's, it's, it's astonishing. The shit that shouldn't go together, it works. It works perfectly. I don't understand it. The drop what, into the big heavy chorus, and uh, we'll get what, into the bridge in a bit. But what yeah. makes this like, like I guess, like a, a bigger B than than it should be? I guess is uh, is, is some of like the payoffs, right? Like the song has just really great build mm-hmm. and really really solid relief throughout the song. The build from the pre-chorus to the chorus is well paid off. The chorus is super heavy, and you can hear all those little bass clacking things, right? Just the yeah. strings, fucking just hitting the wind. <laughs> Good lord, and then like the bridge, dude. It's fun. I get it. Everyone adds a little bit extra. JD lays the groundwork, right, with mm-hmm. that scat thing. But everyone yeah. else does a killer job at like elevating it. If it was just him scatting, it would be dumb. It would be it would. dumb. It would be like, why is this here? That's pointless. But the little guitar picks, that cool bass line. Everybody else really adds something to his scat. It's like it's like the, the guitar playing during that bridge, that build up in the bridge. It's like this funky, it's it's like a funky kind of thing that that they're playing, but it's put through so much distortion, it's tuned so low that you almost miss that kind of that funkiness to it. And then Fieldy, his, you know, his bass is turned down, so that five string bass is tuned down so low that all you hear is the clacking because he's just hitting the one note. He's just slapping that one note, and it just. You just hear the clacking. You don't even hear the fucking note. You yeah. just hear the clacking. It's true. And then David, David's just laying down that that straightforward fucking solid ass beat. And then it builds, builds, builds. And then you hear. And then JD just go, just yells go. And then it just drops into this heavy motherfucking thing. And then Jonathan just goes. He, he he's still doing the scatting, but singing scatting. He's going back and forth. It's like. It's like his brain is fighting, like which one is going to take over and which one's going to sing next, and it's fucking chaos. Oh my god! And then that drum roll back into that final chorus. Oh, <laughs> oh man, it's, it's incredible. It is it's really an incredible. incredible song. It's it's a fucking well crafted song. It's a genre defining song. It's it's like a, it's one of the most important songs in the nineties. Oh, it's, well, hands down. It, it is. It's it is, it's incredible. It's up there. It's up there with. Uh, smells like Teen Spirit, like I. In how different and how revolutionary the song is, it it's up there with Teen Spirit. I, I would say, like, without even giving no thought whatsoever, it's for sure a top ten defining songs of the nineties. 
Yeah. Maybe top five. Top ten well, for sure, though. Especially rock songs, especially with rock songs. But if we're looking at, like, you know, other pop and other genres, then, yeah, it's top ten. But if it's if we're just talking about rock, then it's top five, top three, maybe. Well, top three is all Pinkerton songs, so. Well, that that's really <laughs> stupid. God. Maybe Get You. That That's <clears throat> That's the best song on Pinkerton. We all know that. This is the worst Pinkerton song. Oh, so good. Get you is I respect, not. I respect the commitment, though. I like it. Commitment it's not a commitment. Bit. It is the. Commitment it is the, the best bit. song on Pinkerton. That's good. That's that good, good life. Um, yeah, those are those are the top two songs off, okay. off Pinkerton. All right, those are words. Sure. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, freak on a leash. The video's great. Uh, yeah. I I don't know. I, it's a perfect song. It's beyond baby. It is. Yeah. It really Absolutely. Is. All right. Um fuck everybody's heard this song. They know everybody knows this song. Let's um let's jump into your one B. What's your favorite song on this record? <laughs> My favorite song is Got the Life. Oh fuck yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so stupid. We did this, it. We did it, boys. We did it, boys. This is um Woo. man, this song is fucking dumb. Right? And like No, hey. And, and even the band, the band thought this was fucking dumb. That disco beat, like, what are you doing? Everybody, everybody questioned it. Everybody thought, no fucking way, our fans gonna eat this up. This is yep. stupid. Nobody, nobody in the new metal world, nobody in the rock world wants to fucking hear disco. But here we are, listening to fucking are. disco. Yep. What are we doing? I don't know. But the song starts with just that snare lead, right? Just like lead it yeah, in with the snare. Just that one, Doof, that one snare go. hit. Like, what is everybody this? Everybody drops in. <laughs> come on i'm already hooked already hooked and the song is like the whole thing is very frantic and it sounds like they're doing it sounds like they're doing too many things and it holds together <laughs> so well it has this really unique groove like everything is just like why is there so many things going on in just like the first 30 seconds yeah it's you have the you have the low-end guitar of monkey just he's just he's hitting those like long drawn out notes. He's not doing anything crazy or fast. It's just the those notes drawn out, and then and then heads doing the high part that shrill that. It's just it's so it's like it, it's grating to your ears. It's it's abrasive, but it it just works so well with the low end of monkey, and then I don't even know what field he's doing. I, you can barely even hear his baseline because the clacking is, is insane. It's the, so the clacking, low. the clacking is essentially just a percussive instrument with corn. Really, the first four records, that's or the first three records, that's all feel he is. He's just like a percussionist, and um, and then David David's drumbeat, like you said, start out with that that one hit of the snare, everything drops, the disco beat, the the kind of build ups into the next bar. It's just and then and then that that simple like snare roll into the verse is, is just perfect. And then he just drops into that groove again, feel these kind of ripping it up, ripping it up again. David hits the, that, that he's that hi-hat thing. another snare hit drops into Jonathan Davis starts like that singing, rapping thing. It's fucking incredible. It's fucking perfect. The lead got the, the life lead? is the, is the best song on the record. It's the greatest song ever written. That's, well, that's so the, that's, that's it's a 100% true. The lead into the second verse is is maybe like my favorite thing on this entire album. Like it went from just being this crazy, 
all over the place song. It quiets down, slows down the pacing, but like only to immediately crescendo back into the verse. And like that little part, man, that little part got me good. That little part got me good. <laughs> and like Jonathan Davis, dude, like this is his best. This is the best vocal performance he's ever given. Like hands down. Yeah, it's he. He really is all over the place because yeah, he does the the kind of rapping thing during the verses. The chorus is big and soaring. He does some cool in like kind of I guess inflections is that the right word in his voice. He's and he sucks at fucking rapping. He's just not a good. He just doesn't know the fuck to do on a rap track. But it works really well in this song. But when he's not on a rap track, he raps really good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't understand like why. It's like he gets nervous. It's like he gets nervous (laughs) with other rappers. That's what it is. That's that's probably what it is. (laughs) But no, this song. This this song is a beyond banger. It's it's unreal how stupidly like like surface wise it it's it seems like a very simple thing but there are so many things going on underneath there are so many like different soundscapes that everybody else is, is kind of throwing in there not just the disco beat but like you said the bass thing is just so fucking low you don't even know what is happening except for the clacking which is adding to the percussive thing of the disco beat already mm-hmm. so I, yeah. I, it's good solid <laughs> It's 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 truly something special of a song that, you know, and then that one. So in the in the verse, too, or the first verse, I should say, the first verse is split. So you get through the the first couple lines and then it drops into this weird kind of breakdown where it's just it's it's him singing through like a vocal filter. He says, get your boogie on, get your boogie, get your boogie on. on. And then David comes in with the drums. and goes, got, got, got. And then it goes right back into the into the second part of that first verse. It, it makes no fucking sense. It makes no fucking sense at all. And the bridge. So so you know you get this the big heavy choruses. It's fast, and you get to the bridge, and then David's just kind of doing this hi hat cymbal thing, and then there's just this build up, this great great fucking build up. He's singing along, and then it's just that last kind of crescendo when he's singing, and then it drops back into the chorus. It's such a killer fucking build up. And I like I, I like how he sings the chorus too. Like I never yeah. knew what he said until this week, until I read the lyrics. I just I never I, I was I, I was always just yelling when I listened to it, like in my car <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but like now he's in like God paged me that whole thing. Like that's cool, man. Yeah. man. It just flows nicely. It does. It really does. Which is good. It, good. Good word choice to use to make the song just flow nicer. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we didn't even talk about the lyrics on Freak on a Leash. So. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I will say, overall, because like, we do like an overall lyric thing, um, mm-hmm. overall lyrics, much better than I thought they were going to be. I thought, yeah. I thought, I thought they were going to be superficial, dumb, and just something there just to encourage him yelling. Well, so th- the lyrics on the first two records are awesome they're amazing i mean you you even agreed on the first yeah. record I oh mean, yeah his lyrics were uh, there's nothing like it nobody was writing like he was um and uh, the same goes for life is peachy i expected it to be a little bit goofier on this record and it's true it was goofier because of the songs like all in the family cameltosis and you know the hip-hop song the rap songs but you know when it was when it was heavy or what I, there are just some songs that were like wow i didn't realize the song was about this particular subject which we'll get into but there's some good shit on here lyrically some really I, good shit on here i thought i thought this was going to be goofy 
um i thought this was like their their mainstream breakthrough and it was just going to be word vomit just to support like the style yeah but um a lot of the, a lot of the subject material is very like low-hanging fruit right like you write a song about this and it's going to be good because like everybody relates to it whatever so but like there were songs like that on this and and freaking least going back good song cool lyrics but it's mm-hmm. about like his hatred hatred for the corporate world specific to like the music industry yeah that's low-hanging fruit it is but you know it Something that he was experiencing, and it's something that you know. Yeah, you can't no, fault him for writing it. Not faulting him for writing it. <clears throat> but yeah, that, that's really what it is. It's about being kind of paraded around, like a, just like as a freak. I mean, that's really. It's it, what what I do like about his lyrics is that he's very literal. He doesn't throw around a lot of metaphors. He's very upfront about what he's talking about, and that's what freak on. I mean, all of his songs, but freak on a leash too. Um, cause they do pray, they did kind of like market Korn's image and his image as this like freak and, um, he didn't like it. So he wrote the song. So got the life though. To me, this song is, is like about his skepticism of religion, how, you know, he's always being told by people in the church, you know, you need to repent. Um, otherwise you won't go to heaven. But he's like, you know what? Fuck that. You all treat me like shit. I'm treated like shit and I'm living I'm living the best life ever right now. I've got the life. I mean, it's, there's nothing better than what's going on right now. So it's 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 a fuck you to to organize religion, and that, that's that's what I think got the life is about. I think the overall concept of this album, especially with like follow the leader, the 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 cover art, the name of the album, and like the the whole concept of like this hopscotcher on the cover art is going to about is about ready to go off the edge into the mm-hmm. abyss into whatever the fuck is down there, and there's a bunch of kids behind her that are going to follow her into doing the same stupid fucking thing. I think the whole concept of this album is like Jonathan Davis questioning whether or not this life is for him. And -hmm. I think there's a lot of songs on here and God's life is one of them where like he questions his entire like musical career existence, whether or not he deserves it, whether or not he wants it, whether or not he even like it's even for him. So I I, I think, I think God, the life 100% 100% is, is is him acknowledging that yes I am living the dream but then there's also this like subtext of is this what I really want to do and like judging by like his growing up his childhood like how he became a musician rather than what do you mortician. call it mortician mortician yeah like how that even happened like all of these things right this whole like butterfly effect thing that happened and now he is this 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 god of, of rock music does he want it? Does he deserve it? Does he need it? Is this who even like? Is this what he wants to do with this life? And I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of songs on this album that question all of those things. Yeah, particularly the song "Seed," which I'm sure we'll get into. But that that song is straight up about like, did he make? Is he making the right decision of staying and doing staying in this career on this career path? Seed's cool song, low hanging fruit. <clears throat> I do, I do, I do think that it was low hanging fruit. But I, I think. Well, I, we'll talk about season in a little bit. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, do okay, do okay. we have anything else on on Got the Life? We can talk about the video. Oh yeah, the video. Yeah, so I love the video. I was it was uh, directed by Mick G, who did a lot of music videos at the time. Um, it was and, eventually directed by Mick G because the original person they wanted was like, oh, that's yeah. fucking stupid. I'm not doing that. Yeah, 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> he came the first video retired, <laughs> retired on, on TRL. MTV, on TRL, yeah. Yeah, they, they Which, actually created... So anybody who doesn't know, <laughs> TRL was a TV show on MTV and it was a top 10 countdown every weekday at three o'clock. I would watch it. I would come home and watch it every fucking day. And they, you know, at at some point got the life was on TRL hit number one on TRL every day for 64 days. So they decided, well, this is unfair to other bands and other artists or pretty much other (laughs) other singers. So let's retire. Let's start retiring videos after 64 days. And that's what they did. Got the Life was the first video to be retired because I think it, I think the corporate world, the music industry didn't like that Corn was more successful in some aspects than people like Britney Spears and seeing Backstreet Boys and everything. They they couldn't be controlled as easily and they were still more popular or just as popular as all these pop acts. So I think it's just that's all it is. It's for sure. I don't know. But like the video, yeah. honestly, the video is not. I don't it's know. When you think it's of fucking silly. But when you think of like what video do you think was the first one retired from TRL? You would think something that like Freak on a Leash even would be a video that's oh that's so cool, that's so unique, that's so like groundbreaking. <laughs> not got the life, got the life. Got it's the fine. Life. It's fun <laughs> and it's cute because there's so many like cameos and it's funny and it's, but like it's not like cool. It's not a great video by any means. Yeah, you're right. And and fun little fact too, the the end of the Got the Life video, um, it's them all just partying in a backyard or in somebody's backyard. And that was real. That was a real party they were having. So like the guys from Limbiscuit were there, the guys from Orgy, Sugar Ray, everybody who was anybody in the scene, in the rock scene, not just new metal, but in the rock scene was at this party and Eminem. Before Eminem came out with the uh the real Slim Shady not the real wait. My name is before he came out with Nime is he was hanging out with them and he was in that video. You could see him in the in the corner of the video where they're all just kind of standing there with their arms around each other. Eminem is in that video. That's his first appearance. So he was hanging out with the guys in corn. That's fucking sick. He uh, so like it's really, really hard to see. I'd try to do it like fucking seven times. Yeah. For me to see. You would never know unless you knew to look for him. But apparently from what uh, my my extensive research on the subject, he uh, he gave his tape to Monkey, right? Mm-hmm. Monkey, yeah. Uh, yeah, Monkey. He gave his mixtape to Monkey. He said, "Hey, dude, I'm a rapper. Check out my mixtape." And because that was like an actual party, they were all obviously fucking plastered and high. <laughs> and Monkey's like, "Hey, man, I'm just a fucking guitarist. Like, don't worry about it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this." In that same interview, Head was sitting next to Monkey and was like, oh, dude, you fucked up. Had we signed Eminem instead of Dre, we could have been worth billions. I thought that was kind of funny because you're right. You could have. You could have, dude. Fucked up. But also Slim Cape 3, or Trey Hartson, plays the bum in the video. Yeah. And uh, big big Fireside fan. I I tried to look up how they met. I couldn't figure out how how they hooked up with, with him. I don't know either. I've never been able to find to find that. I mean, outside of the the video and then him being on one of the songs, I've never known them to collaborate with one another or you know even be in that same world. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about that connection. Like they there's share, not like nothing written about it. They didn't share record labels at the time. They didn't share anything. So I don't. I, don't I think it, I think it was I think it was purely they were fans of hip hop. I mean, a lot of Korn's music is based in hip hop. They're all huge, huge fans of the genre, and they're all well versed in it. I mean, Jonathan Davis before Korn, he was a D, it was a, he was a hip hop DJ in Bakersfield. 
So like it, I've heard him, I've heard him on on podcasts and interviews, and and the way he talks about like DJing in the eighties and DJing hip hop, and the whole scene in Bakersfield was wasn't in fucking insane, um, which is really surprising. But yeah, apparently it was, it was wild up there. I imagine and, like um, him DJing in front of like six people because that's, that's what <laughs> Bakersfield is essentially is to me. Even no, he would like DJ day. clubs and shit. Like he would DJ like big hip hop clubs up in Bakersfield back yeah, in the with day. like six people there. Who the fuck uh, wants to live in Bakersfield? A lot of people lived in Bakersfield, a lot of fucked up people. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't, I don't really know how they, I don't know how they got with, with Trey from far side. I really don't. I think with ice cube, I think it was just like, they just reached out to him. I think that's all it was. They just reached out to him saying, you want to be on a track. And he showed up with his posse to the studio and they were super intimidated. And yeah. they, they, they talked about how like how he was so professional and he was just like, let's, let's do this. Let's get it done. And like they were used to partying and hanging out, but he's just like, let's, let's do this. Let's, they, they just didn't know that kind of work ethic at the time. And they were just blown away by his professionalism. But then how, how cool he ended up being, even though he showed up with like this posse and entourage. It's fucking Ice Cube in the nineties, dude. Like his first album <laughs> dropped like early, early nineties. So like he he's he's there to make money. He's there to like do work. He's there to, you know, not fuck around. Yep. And then they fucking took him on tour. He opened up for corn. It's I, dude, like, don't forget, Ice Cube wasn't just like NWA. He by ninety fucking by late nineties, he already had four or five albums under his belt. He's already in a bunch of movies. Boys yeah. in the Hood, right? That was early nineties. He was already mm-hmm. in that. Like Ice Key was a it was a house Friday too. Friday was already out by nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because next Friday came out I think in ninety nine. So. Yeah. So I mean yeah he was he was huge already but that also shows how fucking huge Corn was and how everybody liked the band like like they partied it's like Limp Biscuit you know like we were talking when we talked when we did Limp Biscuit a couple weeks ago. Everybody liked Fred Durst. Everybody liked that band within the scene. It was the media that hated Limbiscuit and Fred Durst. And Corn's the same way. Everybody loved them. Yeah. And always and party with them. I definitely like Corn Corn has got a bad rap. But like kind of rightfully so sometimes too, because they just do some stupid ass shit and their fucking image is goofy. That image is goofy as too. Like people fucking make fun of that still to this day. Even even like uh for, uh, the biscuit themselves have come full circle on it, but True, like, I don't yeah. know. It's just it's just goofy, and the scatting it thing, is. it's really cool. But like, I don't know, man. <laughs> All sometimes, you do is make fun of it, because <laughs> sometimes it's just like too much. <laughs> and he he essentially scats four times on this record. He does. He scats way more than I thought he did. Yeah, he does it on Freak on a Leash. He does it on Children of the Corn, BBK, and Seed. Yeah, he does it a lot. And then he doesn't scat again until, I believe, Take a Look in the Mirror. No, no, it's not until See You on the Other Side in 2005. He scats again then on that record. But yeah, it takes fucking seven years for him to do it again. Pretty crazy, pretty, pretty crazy. Pretty, pretty crazy. All right, so let's move on from Got the Life. Um, I could talk for days about this and how beautiful of a song it is and how it's the greatest song ever written um my 2b wait oh your 2b was freak on a leash yeah uh my 2b is reclaim my place you know this kind of place fucking deep cut a song that nobody ever talks about i don't believe they've ever played this song no they did play it 
they did play it live when they did the 20 and 20 year 20 year anniversary of the record they did play this i think it was for the first time they ever played it was in 2018 so uh so yeah that this is really just something that nobody talks about but i fucking love it uh what do you what do you what do you got on this one this is my last b this is my 9b is it really yeah oh my god i uh Man, the ending of this song like definitely solidifies this as a banger because it gets so goddamn good. And there's mm-hmm. cool parts of it. Like I like the cool little intro. I like the wah thing that they're kind of using there. I like that little snare hit before the chorus, that like that one snare hit. Then you get Feldy's bass slide. So at the same time you get a snare hit and then a bass slide down. So it's almost like a like a swell out. Yeah. Kind of sound and I like that. That's cool. Um I don't know. It's a good song. It's just, I, this this song is is it's probably the besides got the life. It's the fastest song on the record. With that, it's just that the high the high not high pitched guitar, but the higher guitar to in the intro, and then the what the fuck, and then everything drops in. It's kind of a cheesy way of dropping into the in the intro, but whatever. It's cool. The big heavier riff, and then once the um the verse comes in, it becomes this kind of like like bouncy heavy bouncy kind of very riff based thing and it's really nothing on this well i guess dead bodies everywhere kind of has that feel too but it's it's something pretty unique to the record and something they really didn't do again until untouchables um but i i I just i love that that drop into the verse and then it, it goes back into the faster heavier part into in the in the chorus and it's just it's pissed off this song is just he's he just sounds pissed off um and then the 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 bridge where it's just that that weird guitar that he's playing the main riff but it's put through that weird filter and that weird effect and it goes what the fuck what the fuck and then it builds builds and builds and then that one last what the fuck and then it just fucking goes crazy i love it yeah that was fun oh, I, I like that it. i love the song Love this song. I wish it's good. I wish they played it more often. I wish people appreciated the song more. It's it's truly, it's truly underrated. It's it's a gotta, forgotten banger for sure. You gotta like. You have to at least like seed the fact that a lot of fucking corn sounds very 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 similar. Mm. And the reason why people dislike the band outside of just image wise is because. Like a lot of corn just sounds the fucking same. It really does. Like the band just never grew out of. Let's just play really low. Let's play really chunky, and let's have Jonathan Davis just do some weird shit outside of a few albums here and there. Mm. But like overall, man, like it just a lot of the shit just sounds the fucking same. I I I agree with you. From Untouchables onward, there are definitely songs that do sound similar. But follow to what- the leader in issues. You can mix up these songs, no, and like nobody would no. fucking know the difference. No, no, but you mix no, up songs no. from Follow the Leader and Corn's Corn. Like for sure, you can tell the difference. But for absolutely, you can mix up songs from Follow the Leader and no, issues, and people no. wouldn't understand the difference. No, you're wrong. Yes, yes, you I, I, you no, do totally because wrong. you listen to a million times. But no. I'm telling you, like the masses, no. nobody fucking knows the difference. No, are you, okay. So the way Jonathan sings on "Follow the Leader" and he sings on "Issues" are is very, very different. The beats are. It's not that different, different though. It's yes, different because you know they're issues, different because you listen to a million also, times. Issues is also a much slower record. 
It's a much slower record as well. There's slow songs on this record. But not like they are on Issues. Issues is way fucking different. That's a bad comparison. It's not a bad comparison. It's yes, a it direct, is. The first, it's a, they're following, the first four records are you drastically for sure have your corn goggles on. You for no, sure have your corn goggles no, on. Absolutely. You get your no. KGs on. No, I got my corn contacts in. <laughs> so like corn magnifiers, <laughs> corn magnifiers. Your corn uh, yeah. microscopes. There you go, corn microscopes. Your KMs. <laughs> my CCs and or my KCs. <laughs> um. Anyway, I like CCs. <laughs> your CCs instead of your KGs. My KGs. Yeah, corn, oh, yeah, corn goggles. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, that's fine. Uh, this is stupid. This is a stupid conversation. Um, I do want to play a little bit of "Reclaim My Place" because we didn't play "Got the Life," and that's fine. Um, that's we got the life. Playing both back to back. No, 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 no. Everyone at least at least you have, like you have to at least play "Got the Life." So people can hear that disco beat. Like we talk okay, about disco fine. beat a lot. Like playing back to back. Okay, here here is here's a little bit of "Got the Life," and then I'll bleed into um, uh, "Reclaim My Place." Here we go. "Got the Life." Man, I mean, (laughs) dude, once again, I mean, you you brought it up that that one snare hit into the chorus is, uh, it's so simple and so, so perfect. It's so perfect. Crystalia, dude. Barrel. That's what I want to hear. We we don't talk about, we don't talk about him. He's a, he's a bad guy, I guess. He's been canceled, kind of. Um, anyway. Officially been canceled? Like, are we, are we? No, he's like, he, he's. Back doing stand up and all kinds of shit. His pod, yeah. he has like three podcasts and shit now. I think he's like been like fighting the cancel thing pretty pretty aggressively. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, I don't want to talk about Crystalia. Um, I want to talk about corn. All I want to talk about is corn, corn, corn for life. KFL. Um, KFL. Anyway, proclaim my oh, that's place. That's a tattoo right there, baby. KFL. That'd be sick, right? KFL. Yeah, that'd be pretty sick. I'm gonna, I would get, get that. I would get that. Get that. I'll, let's get that next time I'm out in uh, AZ. I will get KFL if you get another musical artist later on at a different time also with me. Probably Weezer, like the little wings. Oh, yeah. I, for sure I'd get that. Hell yeah. I get KFL. I'm only at KFL if the, corn, if the K is all like corned out. <laughs> well, all, all three letters have to be corned out. That'd be sick. That'd be that, so that'd sick. That'd be cool. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I get it. Anyway, um... The uh, dude, once again, the the snare tone on this record is fucking amazing. It's so it's so it cracks so loud. Oh my god, I love it. I'm such a sucker for a piccolo snare. I love that shit so much. It's, and that's it's what he super. Uses on this it's record. super crisp. Man, it is. <laughs> it is. It really is. And it really defines this era of music. Not not just new metal, but of all rock music or alt-rock music, too, it's that piccolo snare. You hear it in ska music. You hear it in alt-rock music of the time. Everything had that piccolo snare. It's fucking, I love it. I wish, we need to go back to that in music. We've we've lost it in the early, two, early, early 2000s, but we need that resurgence of the piccolo yeah. snare. Music is so lost now that that's, there's a, a plethora of things we need to go back to or, or <laughs> try to reinvent this is both Trump. like the worst time for music and, and kind of like the best time for music. Because, yeah, I think we're almost hitting rock bottom. We're close to rock bottom in, in music now. I, I think it's like the best time for music, though, because a lot of people are getting like 100% of the royalties for their music. They're, they're, yeah. they're yeah. circumventing 
record labels and they're releasing it as, as self-releasing and getting all of the money for their artistic properties. And I like that. But it just sucks because whatever they're making money off of also sucks. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> like the concept, but not the, the product. I agree. I agree with you on that. So, um, Reclaim My Place, what do you have lyrically on this one? Uh, I thought this was like about owning who he uh, he is, I guess owning who you are and showing the haters who's who's made it in life. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because okay. being bullied as a teen, as a kid, this is like a fuck you to them saying, look where I am now, I've made it. Um, and then he also like makes little references like, well, my band member, my friends still make fun of me, but that's okay. <laughs> they actually like me, so... Um, I, I don't think this this song is too deep lyrically. Uh, this is definitely one of the more, I don't want to say superficial songs, but it kind of is. So let's uh, let's move on. What's your what's your three B? What's your third banger off this record? Uh, BBK, BBK, Big Black Cock, BBK. <laughs> <laughs> so vulgar. There was like three other fucking things that I read that it could have been but about But it's too. really, but it, it really is. That's for sure. That's what it is. Big black yeah. cock with a K. Yeah. Okay. So good. All right. <laughs> okay. It really also, is though. It also said that that's what he calls Jack and Coke. That's, yeah. That's what he calls. That's what he calls his Jack and Coke. Yeah. Why? That's stupid. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's, nah, I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. I don't know. Jerry. I don't know if I buy that. I don't know. Anyway. What do you got Whatever. on this one? Yeah, BBK is my 3B. A lot of noise to start this one off. I like that static sound. That mm-hmm. little break was rad. Um, long enough to, to almost make you question what happened to the song, right? Like, did I did I skip the song? Is, did something happen? But it wasn't too long. I like that. And the good use of the uh, tremolo, the little you know, back and forth. I like that. And then scatting. Like that's, that's the song in a nutshell. Scatting. Always fun. Yeah. This this oh, does have this, the scatting is really cool on this one too. It's 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 different. It's it's more. I think it's kind of more chaotic than on Freak on a Leash. Freak he, on a Leash because it's become like an institution. It's become it's become so commonplace that you know, you like know how he's scatting to that you almost know the words to what he's scatting to because mm-hmm. you've heard it so many times. But with like BBK, it's still kind of exotic. It's still kind of new. So when he scats, it's like a, it's like a bonus. It's like extra credit. Whereas Freak on a Leash, it's <laughs> it's it's part of the assignment. True. And uh, I fuck. It was years ago. He did. It, Jonathan did a an interview where he talked about this song and um, Children of the Corn and that scatting part in particular. He not only was he scatting, but he was using he was running his his vocals through a wah pedal, a guitar wah pedal, and so that's why you get all those weird kind of like things that are happening because he's hitting the wah pedal with his hand while he's scatting, and you really hear it on on Children of the Corn, but it's also on this one, and um and he was saying like you can you literally cannot recreate what he did on this because it, one it was completely random he just did it because he was all kind of fucked up and he said the wad pedal that he used he ended up breaking and it was some like super rare pedal that you can't you can't really buy anymore because it's nobody really has them anymore so nice. he said trying to replicate the sounds you got on parts of this record just you, you can't do anymore that sounds like the fucking kid in high school who said he has like a girlfriend but she goes to another school <laughs> 
That's true. <laughs> that's, that's what that sounds like. <laughs> it does. Oh, it's so stupid. <laughs> Fucking Napoleon Dynamite status. <laughs> <laughs> I also really like the, uh, you know, when it drops into the into the verse and really feel these just hitting, just slapping that one note. You could hear the clacking, but you could actually hear the actual note as well. And it's just, dum, dum, dum. it's just that, that one thing and it just drives that verse so well so fucking well and like you mentioned that like the the guitar effects that they're using it, it's it just sounds like static but it's not because it actually has a it's a note but it do they do some fucked up things on their guitars on this record i think they're just it's pushing so they're pushing uh they're pushing pedals to their limits they're oh, doing yeah. they're doing things with pedals that the pedals were not designed for right like, mm-hmm. like, like, like they're they're turning up things on the pedal where normal people would say, "Why are you doing that? It sounds like shit." It's yeah, it does sound like shit. Turn it up more, and, and they're they're <laughs> like doubling down on that shit sound to create a new sound that yeah, it sounds like shit. But when you get all the other like shitty sounds together, we have a new fucking genre here. You're right. You're totally right. And that, that's the thing too. Like Tom Morello. Okay, it's kind of a sidetrack, but Tom Morello he's always you know people always say you know what he did with the guitar and how it made it sound like a dj and all these weird effects and all that shit and it's like you know what yeah he he did that a little bit you know before corn did but corn absolutely nailed it perfected it blew he they blow tom morello out of the water like 100 percent. what they the the sounds and tones that they get out of their guitars just destroys tom morello fuck tom morello I mean, FTB, I fuck that too, bitch. I don't want to go too into it, but no, some of the stuff Tom it. Morello was doing, obviously right before Corn, was pretty impressive. I, it I just, was cool. It was pretty impressive, like some of the was, things he was doing. Um, he's also very much a one-trick pony. Yeah, I, I, I he agree. He really is. He he focuses mainly on his wah pedal. That that's really all. That's where he makes the sounds. That and toggling you know the on off switch he does he does a lot of cool stuff he did a lot of cool stuff he does i, I just i do think he's a one trick but he pony. doesn't explore it's a good trick it's a good trick but uh I, I i think it was very much it was like come on man like what else you got yeah absolutely. but i also think that i i literally also think that about corn oh gosh you, you know you need to you need to get over that you know you 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 just what you just listen to fucking 14 albums <laughs> you like just I, I, i'm fully you, you i'm try. fully invested i don't i tried not to and i tried i really did <laughs> i mixed up the order i, I, I spaced it out between with like pop punk in between and listened to fucking anything <laughs> i possibly could but much like I much just, like band you need it, to it, like it just, them more that's that's it, the point <laughs> It just happens with any band that's been around for this long, especially with a band that like defined a genre. A lot of their stuff is just going to sound the same. Like, this is that's what happens with musicians. We just <clears throat> talked about the bouncing souls. Yeah, I agree. I I, I agree. Your with stuff, you on your that. stuff's going to get repetitive, and and corn is no no different. They are no different. Yes, but not on their first four records. That's where I disagree with you on that. So here's a little bit of the song uh, "Big Black Cock" from Corn. Good song, man. God, I love the way that they're those high, those high, those high parts, and the way they're fucking with the wah pedal. God, it adds so much, so much 
cool character to the song. I, I fucking love this song. <laughs> it's a good fucking oh, song. It's so it's fucking cool. good. It's another like it's another one of the song those songs where it's a forgotten banger. Nobody really talks about BBK. I mean, to be fair, like, nobody talks about Corn like ever outside of no, that's true. Outside of the singles from Freak on a, or uh, Follow Leader issues and then Blind, people yeah. don't talk about Corn really ever. I guess I guess I'm just like talking from the perspective of the Corn community, like the fan community. Like even within like the fans, like these aren't songs that people ever ever bring up. They're really just kind of lost to the sands of time. Because they never play them either. I mean, they, they used to play BBK back when it came out, but since then they haven't really played it much, except for well, the you got forty-five fucking records under your belt. I mean, well, kind of pressed for lot. time. It's a lot. Oh, you know what we forgot to me- I forgot to mention too is uh, on Got the Life. Back to Got the Life again. Um, they originally wanted to use at the beginning of the song. They wanted to use a clip from Blazing Saddles, the Dom DeLuise part, <laughs> where he uses the F word for. Uh, the gay slur um and they wanted to use that just that one little sentence sentence that dom DeLuise uses in the movie and then it goes into that snare hit but they couldn't get the the clearance on the rights for it so they ended up not not using it but it was like a last minute thing that they had not that i not that I, i i like i like using like clips from movies before songs i mean your favorite band in the world bleeding through did it multiple times and that era of music did it that's fine I like I like it as is. I think it would have taken away from the song. I think having that one snare hit into Got the Life is exactly what that song needs. I agree. I totally agree with you on that. All right. Um lyrically what do you, what do you have on BBK back to this song that we were talking about? Uh the, another dark song about existence. Like it, it also seems like he's acknowledging how successful he is at doing something he enjoys. Mm-hmm. Um but still like I don't know. It still leaves him with this emptiness. Still leaves him with this doubt. <laughs> yeah, that's what I got. I feel like it's about his depression, and how he feels like he's not loved. But you know, it's not true. He has all these fans who. I mean, it's more of a superficial level. But you know, he's he's kind of idolized at this point. Like you know, his family loves him, but he doesn't feel it, and so he puts himself on this self-destructive path, and that's what this song is. Because he like questions, he's, he, like like the whole chorus thing, right? Like he's, give me a sign, this is day, and then he ends it with, is this what I want? So he's still like questioning whether or not he deserves it, he wants the way, it. <laughs> the way he sings that part too. Yeah. This is what I want. Like he's, it's so it's whiny. so goofy. It is. Let me be me. No, I... That part's so cool too when he kind of like trails off when he says, let me be me. And then it just oh. everything drops into that chorus. Fucking great. Oh, yeah. It's good, man. It's a great song. It's good. Good pick. 3B. Good pick. 3B. All what, right. What, so, what B was yeah. that for you, you said? Was That's that my it? 5B. I mean, they're all Bs, apparently. So. Oh, yeah. They're all Bs. Yeah, I got all Bs here. I, I, got, a bonus, I, I, got, a, I got a bonus B, too. I don't. <laughs> Why is that funny <laughs> to you? I don't know. Cause what's your bonus B? It's the secret song, Earache My Eye, the cover. Oh, that's a bonus B. I I just okay. Well, I put that into the last song. That's fine though. Okay, well, okay, you're fun. I, I put um, I put it's yeah. on as an okay song. The for the opener. Oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I just thought that was more of like a. It was. It's an intro. It's like a thesis statement. It, it, here is what we're going to cover throughout the rest of the album. There's a lot of no, There's a lot of sounds here. 
and we'll hear all of those sounds throughout the album just better. You're right. Yeah. That kind of like drone that, that starts that song off and then the high the high guitar comes in and then yeah. Monkey does that that kind of that really kind of slow heavy riff on top of it. It's on. It's so good. So yeah, fucking it's, good. It's 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 a good song. It's fine. It's good. But I, I consider it more. I mean, it's a long intro. It's like four and a half minutes. But I consider it more of like a like an intro. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So yeah, let, I mean, we don't have to talk about it anymore then, because I, I know you're you're trying to get through this quick right now. Whoa! I know what you're doing. Oh, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. Um, we haven't got to my four B yet. Or your three B? What's your three B? What's your two B? My 2B was Reclaim My Place. Seed is my 3B. Okay. Let's do Seed. Seed is my 7B. 7B? That's fine. We can be wrong. Um, (laughs) So Seed is later later on the album. Um, This one starts kind of quiet. That that bass line is kind of eerie sounding. And then all of a sudden it just, there's a slight like distorted buildup. And then it just drops into that big heavy riff. It's it's a crazy song. It's and then this is another song that has scatting in it, which is always cool, right? Dude, always my favorite cool. part. So I timestamp this one. My favorite Ooh. part of this song starts around three ten, uh-huh. because it just fucking builds so well into the scat part, and like the scat part is just like again, it's like extra credit. It's like a bonus. It's it's like <laughs> dessert after a delicious pizza. If you even like, you don't even need dessert. Uh, you're right it's because i mean it's 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 that it goes it drops so that what you're talking about when it all the music stops it drops back into that that intro bass riff and it has that eerie feel and then the guitars come in super high and they're they're just like it's spooky it's spooky sounding i don't know this song it's 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 really it's an outlier song it's another forgotten for another forgotten banger off this record these guys just know how to make like, I don't know, know how to make feels out of notes. They know how to take like basic notes, add a little bit of effect to it, and the mm-hmm. way they play it make you feel kind of uncomfortable. Uncomfortable yeah. either in a way that, that makes you feel scared or, or sad, but it's just, it's fucking weird, man. It's fucking weird that they can make you feel something just based off of two or three notes, and they don't <laughs> even play them fast. They don't even play him like, but they, they play them strategically. That's what it is. It's, Everything it's, it's bizarre. Uh, it is. So, you know. So, and just that that chorus too. The chorus is the chorus is really really catchy as well. I, I God, dude, this song is so unique. And a lot of like half the song is like the bridge. Like it's weird too because. The first what two two and a half minutes? It's a normal song with the verses and the chorus, and then there's that build up like we were just talking about, and then it builds the scatting part, and then it kind of drops back down low again, and then there's another slight build up back into another scatting part, and then it finishes out with like one last or two more choruses essentially. It's it's just a really weird, weirdly structured song. I fucking love it, man. It's it, it's a cool one. I like it because there's a lot of just noises, and they seem to come together in the chorus. It's like the common ground, and they go back to doing their shit after the yeah. chorus is over. And that that riff too, the riff in the chorus is it has that that kind of swingy feel too, and the guitars aren't like super muddled, so there's like enough like room there. I don't know. It's I don't know. I don't know how else to explain this song. 
It's good. It's, just, it's solid. It's unique, man. It's just it's a great. Song. It's a it's 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 a good song. It's a banger. It's for it the is. bangers. The bangers a great certified song. banger. So we we don't have to play seed. Um, what do you have? Because I know I know we we definitely need to touch upon all in the family. So that's probably your three B or four B. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, like seed seed. It's about his kid, dude. That's it's yeah. low hanging fruit. It's always yeah, going to be good. I get it. It's about his kid. Like you know, he looks at his kid. Oh, what the fuck! I can't fucking believe this fucking kid is mine. Uh, okay. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Earth, as as Will Smith would say. Yeah, that, that, you're right. That's what it is, and about him questioning whether or not you know the rock and roll lifestyle is something he should continue to do, or go back <laughs> to his son. Really. Um. All right. So yeah, let's move on from Seed. We don't need to play it. We got we got some more shit to get through. There's a bunch of songs that I at least want to talk about. I want to talk about for sure. All in the family. I want to talk about dead bodies. I want to talk about. Buggy I want to talk about pretty. I want to talk about. Oh yeah, pretty. Oh yeah. Because that's fucked. That's a fucked up song. Yeah, that was sad. I want to talk about the last song too. My gift to you, as well as the earache my eye. Yeah. Really, the only songs I don't really care too much to talk about are Cameltosis and. That's it. And Children of the Corn. I don't know. Whatever. Those are my well, least favorite songs. Well, Je- I mean, Justin was my 5B. Justin's my 7B. So this Justin one's was um, cool. This one's cool because the, the story behind it is they um, they had a, a, like a fan who, he was a kid and Corn was his favorite band and he was dying of intestinal intestinal cancer and his last wish was to meet the band. So they went out and met him and they they were so overwhelmed they were so they were so honored and they just couldn't believe that this is somebody's last wish was to meet them so this song is dedicated to him band named justin um and the lyrics are are about jonathan's feelings about that and it's a really cool song too see like i i I think it's cool that they wrote a song that is not about justin it's kind of about like jd's experience with dealing with that that experience really yeah. yeah right like it's not like oh justin you're a fan here's a song for you like that's that's not what justin would want yeah like he wants a, a song that's for him but not like about him and that's what this song fucking like perfectly does like literally you think it's great it is like, it's cool and that's a great that's story overwhelming too it, it's a great story and it's what do you even say to that right song. yeah like, it, like it, you meet somebody like that who has who's like dying like literally dying to meet you like what do you yeah. fucking say to that i don't know that's what that's the beauty of this song like it's it i love that so much it's it's so fucking honest it's so honest nobody would ever write a song like this in this situation it's honestly so most raw most people would write a song about justin it would be specific to that person like i loved yep. your blue pajamas and the way you threw the ball like the like bullshit superficial stuff but this is about like jonathan davis's experience in dealing with somebody like justin well, yeah, cool. and what I what I love about it too, when you read the lyrics, you wouldn't really know, but it's about this super fan. You just think it's about whatever is going through Jonathan's mind. But the only reference you have to him is the song title, and I love that that they just called it Justin. Like normally, like you were saying, if a band were to to make a song dedicated to a fan, they would say like, you know, I, I don't know, something really kind of superficial heart. You know, it just be over the top. And I just I, I love how just simple the title is. Just Justin, dude. No context. Like the, oh, Literally dude, no verse, context. And the I think it's this, the second verse. He says, "You're gonna die. 
you want to meet me? Why? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I know. Damn. I know. That's all. That's like, that's like staying true to who you are as a band, but still paying like good homage to your fans. I know. It's so could not so Like rad. could not get more perfect than that. I know. Oh, and also, you know, we, we didn't talk about this on Reclaim My Place, but did you did you pick up on at all at the end of Reclaim My Place after the song ends? There is for maybe five or six seconds, they play the theme song on the guitar. They play the theme song to Ren and Stimpy. Is that what that is? Yeah, it's it's Ren and Stimpy, and then it drops into the yeah, and then it drops into the Justin riff. That bueno 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 bueno. It's just that that wah thing that they do. But no, I, it I goes from Ren I didn't know it was Ren and Stimpy, but I I, I yeah. knew like dude, that sounds so familiar. I was thinking like like maybe it was some like like Hendrix riff they played backwards or something. I was like trying to really figure it out, but no, I didn't I didn't think yeah, it was Ren and, Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, go go back and listen to it. You'll know immediately. I'm I'm first I'm gonna write that in the <laughs> notes for next week. Yeah. So but yeah, Justin is it's such a such a killer song lyrically, the message. I, I it's really well done. Really, really well done. I think the only time they ever played it live was when they did the um, the twentieth anniversary show. The only time they ever played it live. So, um, did this that's kid? Cool man. I I didn't see like if he died or not. But did, but did this kid like die after this? He did die. Yeah, he did die. I don't. Damn. There's there's not there's not much. I think he died before the song came out. Actually, double damn. I'm pretty sure he died before it came out. Um. I don't think there's a lot written about it. I don't remember ever so reading So the kid didn't even hear the fucking song? I don't think he did. I don't, but he met the band. He did, yeah. Fuck yeah. that. That's cool. That's fucking really cool, right? Well, not cool. No, he's fucking... No, he died. That's not cool. Shit. Well, everybody got to die sometime. That's cool <laughs> True, that, he, yeah. that he at least, you know... He got his last wish. Let's got his last that. wish. Yeah. So um, so let, let's move on then. Um, what, what else we got here? What, what do you want to talk about next? Do you want to do more sad yeah, songs? We could do. We could do pretty. <laughs> yeah. Let's 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 get through the sad shit. Let's get through the sad stuff, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. I guess with all in the family. Oh no! no, no. I, I do want to talk about <laughs> no, dead no, no. bodies though. I love dead bodies. My four B. Let Let's do dead bodies. My gift to you because that song's fucked up, and then we'll we'll do pretty, and then we'll get into all in the family to wrap it up on a on a high note. Okay. 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 So let's. So okay. dead bodies everywhere. What, what do you got on this one? Dead bodies. That's like I said. That's my four B. I think it's a great mm-hmm. lead in from God to Life, like sequencing wise. That's solid. Yeah. I like. I like starting songs with that higher note stuff. It allows for the song to either be a ballad, or like a slower song that lets the drop just mean more. And and the soundscape here is very very twilight zone sounding that's the only way i could fucking even like think of it and specifically like a like a spaceship landing with like strings attached like like to the top of it you know what i mean i always thought i always thought it are we are you talking about the 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 guitar playing in the verse yeah yeah so i i always thought it like you know on 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 halloween there's those the those things that you hang you hang and they they're like little ghosts or witches or they're like little ghosts but they have that sound machine on them that yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes, yeah, yes, I, yes, get yes. I get it. I get it. That's what I'm trying to, you know. I, I knew it was a specific sound to, I mean, ghosts, extraterrestrials, whatever. I knew it was a specific sound to, like, just something eerie and weird. But do you even, like, make a sound that makes us question what it makes us feel like? It's kind of <laughs> cool. Based off something so fucking dumb. Based off something so simple. Yeah. I like that. 
And, you know I, what, I, I, and I really like when it's just, I just, it's just all that noise and no singing. Mm-hmm. I think it's really goofy, but it's just, it's fun. You know what? You know what? I, 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 this is probably not intentional and I'm probably looking way too much into this. So this song is about, lyrically, it's about him becoming a mortician um, as a, as a teenager, essentially before he joined corn and um, his parents didn't approve of this and it was just all this stuff. And then um, just how disappointed they were in him and, uh, and then being around dead bodies all the time, seeing all this crazy shit uh, being in the morgue. So, I feel like the lyrics match the music in that the beginning of dead bodies everywhere, it starts off with like that, that, you know, like jewelry box kind of chime thing that I can't even try to do it, but then, you know, you know, really high pitch kind of like chime thing that they're doing on the guitar. The bass comes in all kind of spooky. So to me that signifies like, so I feel like the beginning of the song signifies like the different life and death. You know what I mean? So like the beginning of life with the with that chime sound because that's very like nursery rhyme kind of kind of thing. So that's like the child, and then it drops into the really heavy part, and that's like the craziness of life as you as you kind of grow up and you as an adult, like all the craziness of life, the heavy stuff, and then it drops into the verse, and then the verse has that spooky sound. So that's like after death. You hear this? That's like the ghostly sounds. That's the after death sound. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking way too into I, it. I I but. like that. Okay, so like like lyrically. This this song I thought was about like his folks and their expectations of him, but like digging deeper, if you, if from what I read, he he left his parents' house. Mm-hmm. Sorry, he let he left his mom's house to go live with his dad, but his dad was already married, and he felt like an outsider there, and and the, the stepmom kind of treated him like shit, and there were stories of of like getting fed like Tabasco and hot sauce and yeah, and his cough syrup and stuff. And Whatever. that's what the song "Kill You" was about. Was about his stepmom, but him him leaving there to go join essentially corn in L.A. was kind of like like happenstance. And lore has it that he saw a psychic, and the psychic said you should go to L.A. or no, no, you should not not that you should go to L.A. That you should just leave Bakersfield. But I think it was more like him just just realizing like this is not. Like there's nothing for me here anymore. Like nobody here mm-hmm. cares about me anymore. Therefore, I should leave. And maybe dead bodies everywhere. Where you're thinking like the the the, the cycle of 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 birth and then death is yeah. like the death of him as as Jonathan Davis, and then like the rebirth of him kind of being like Jonathan Davis via corn. I like that type of thing. You know what I mean? Like like yeah. his life because he easily he 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 like literally could easily have been a mortician, and then we would never be having this podcast right now he could have done that and made a good living doing it because they make good money and he yeah. could have done that not a big deal but for whatever reason and and mostly through factors that that were not his own everybody kind of treated him in a way that he felt unwelcome and he didn't want to be there anymore so that was like the death of him in bakersfield and a new life was was birthed when he left i like that i, I do like that a lot I don't know. That's kind of cool. Like he followed his dreams, type of thing, in a weird way, but mm-hmm. not in a way like, like that was like encouraged me from anybody else. Yeah, I dig it. I like your interpretation much better than mine. And and and, and almost even like, like I, I, it's almost mature, right? It's almost a mature thing to go. You look back. I guess not look back, but like when you're in the moment, you look at what you have. You say, okay, here is where I am. I don't really like my job. It pays well. I could do this forever, but I'm not happy here. 
what can I lose by just leaving entirely and starting over? And I think that's that takes a maturity, especially at like a younger age and mm-hmm. wanting to be a musician. Like that's cool. That's cool. It and really I respect is. that. And and to move to LA. And he was already in a band, right? He was in a band with the guy from fucking uh was from it Orgy. Orgy or something? Yeah, he was with Brian Shuck and then yeah. the guy from uh Edema, the bass player from Edema. So he was already in a band and, and he he felt bad because that was like his band and he was leaving that band to go join another band who weren't even like they were non existent. Like, yeah, let's just form a new fucking band and we can do it and we <laughs> did you um, well. Did you listen to LAP LAPD at all? I think I have before. Pre-corn? I don't I don't remember I don't remember what it sounds like though. Yeah, they they put out an album they put out a full length album and I actually have it on C D too, but yeah, <laughs> so it's 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 pretty it's corn without head and um Jonathan. So they had a different singer. His name was Richard Morrill. It's pretty much just like a Faith No More, Red Hot Chili Peppers kind of ripoff band. They were fine. They were fine. Not that great. But yeah, once they got Jonathan in, it was just a whole new beast. But anyway. And I and I don't always I don't I mean, for the most part, overall, I don't like his singing. I don't like the way he sings. I think at best he's unique sometimes. At worst he's just fucking irritating. But <laughs> But the dude's got stage presence. The dude knows how to get a crowd going. The yeah. dude knows how to keep my attention. And the dude knows how to write music. Did you watch any of the videos from the 90s? The stuff like from Follow the Leader and Prior? Like music videos? No, like live videos of the band. Yeah. Dude, he was fucking insane. Like during his meth years and speed years. Yeah. He was, he oh, was yeah. out of his fucking mind. But great performances. Killing but himself, never... but great performances. But he was never like, he was never like, uh, I, I can't even think of like a good. Like he wasn't like a Gigi Allen or a, or yeah. a fucking um, uh, Darby Crash or some shit like that. It, it, he was, he was he, never too fucked up to not put on a good show. But he was fucking insane. He was doing shit on stage. Like he was acting on stage like nobody ever did. Like he, he just, he has, he had his own thing. That's what's so cool about, about I, I, Davis. I, I think like dead bodies everywhere. I think that, that. Even like the title "Dead Bodies Everywhere," I saw that as like a throwback to like, yeah, I was almost a mortician, man. That's pretty cool, right? But like, realistically, dead bodies everywhere are all the people that he's left behind. Those people are dead to him. He's done mm-hmm. with those people. Those are dead bodies everywhere because he's a new person and he is not the same Jonathan Davis as he was as, as when he lived in Bakersfield. All right, um, let's move on. What what do we? We're gonna do oh my gift to you or do you have anything else on dead bodies? Dead bodies everywhere. No, that's it. I like that part too in the chorus. So good. <laughs> it is really good. Dead bodies everywhere. Dead bodies everywhere. <laughs> Cheesy as fuck. So good. Um, so yeah, my gift to you. The last song on here. Um, it's kind of a longer song, uh, kind of in the vein of Daddy and Kill You but not as not nearly as intense as those two songs. And this is a love song to his, at the time, girlfriend, wife. And she had complained that, you know, they had, he'd never written a song for her. So he's like, well, this is my gift to you. Here's my song to you. And it's a fucked up song, right? Funny. Okay. Well, not funny, but Okay. It's... Okay. Supposedly about like him and his girlfriend. Now she complained, never wrote a song for her. She wrote a song about a dream he had of choking her to death and having sex with her dead body. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Eye roll. Insert eye roll here. 
God. Oh, shut up, dude. It's so but dark. apparently so she was cheesy. into that kinky shit, too. That's cheesy. Fuck off. But the song's cool. It's fucking long for sure. It Absolutely. Is. I think it's like and seven is, minutes long or something. This is one where you get it. He's like, he whines and shit in the middle of this thing, dude. He's he like, does. Yeah. not full on like daddy crying, but he's like whining. Like, come on, man. I'm tired of hearing you whine. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, shit. It's good. That's all I really want to talk about on, on this song. We're just, you know, his, his inspiration to write it, to write the lyrics. So I'm okay. fine. Moving on, unless you got right. anything else. No, that's uh, that's that's all. All right, so let's uh, let's get into the most fucked up song, uh, "Pretty." Pretty. Uh, so yeah, this song is based off of uh, his time as a mortician uh, or working in the morgue, at least. And um, this is okay. This is this is what Jonathan Davis said. This is what he said. He said it's a story about this little girl that came into the coroner's office when I was working there, and she was fucked by her dad. She was an 11-month-old 11, 11 little baby girl. Her legs were broken back behind her, and he just fucked her like a toy doll and chucked her in the bathroom. It was the most heinous thing I've ever seen in my life, and I still have nightmares about it. Fuck. <laughs> I remember being in the academy and, and, and all of our, our instructors from LAPD and, and various other agencies, all of their like worst things they've ever seen was always the same. Unfortunately, it was always the same, and it was always essentially this story, yeah. but like in kind of like real time because they got there right after it happened, and so like uh, cool is is a, I'm going to use the word cool because I don't I I can't think it's many beers deep, but it's cool that he's not talking about the situation. He's not talking about what he saw. He's talking about how it made him feel. Yeah, and I like that because. It's sad content, we know. I, I get it. But he says a line like, who do I feel sorry for? And that may be the best line of the album. Of maybe like That may be like a top fucking five line of all of Korn. He's That's expressing his sadness for the baby, but also like realizing that even just laying eyes on this situation is changing him in a way that he can never go back. Yeah. And yeah. that's some heavy shit. It's great. It's great. That writing. is heavy. It is. Who do I feel heavy. sorry for? Like the dude is not fucking. He's shooting from the hip always, always. Yeah, and the way he sings that line too, it just sounds like he's about to break down. And that's 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 you know like like daddy that ending to it. I, I skip it now just because it's too long. I don't want to fucking. It hear is it. really long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really like, fucking long. <laughs> but like when you hear it in the in the concept of the first album, it's great. It's cool. And then you kind of skip it afterwards. Pretty, pretty's a good song. It's a solid song. It's an okay song for me. It's not a banger, but mm-hmm. I think because like the lyrical content is so heavy and it's not one dimensional. It's like multifaceted. Again, dude. he's not just talking about just, again, dude. Well, it's not just talking about the situation. He's talking about how it made him feel, and that's that's what you want to hear. I want to hear what made how how you feel. What do you feel like, JD? Mm-hmm. Tell me. He's extremely vulnerable within his lyrics on these records, on the early records, and he he just writes he writes so honestly, and 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 I think that's why people love his lyrics so much, and people love this band so much is is his honesty and vulnerability, and to write about a topic like this, it's like when you think about like, fuck man, he wrote Daddy, and that's a fucked up song, 
and kill you is really fucked up too and you're like how can you how how can you top these two songs what can i write about let's talk about this and pretty and then it's this is kind of like a throwaway song on the record too like this is smack totally dab in is. the middle of the record um it's, it's a really good song fucking all in the family like yeah what? Before, <laughs> I know. like who, who did who's fucking sequence this record <laughs> i know it's a shit show of a sequence of, sequ- of a sequence but it's just it's it's a it's in a really really weird place like you could have put this at the end of this like you could have taken out my gift to you and put this as the as the closer and really it, i think it would have been a, it would have made the song more effective for sure i just I, I i i can't say it enough i love like dealing with heavy subject matter is low-hanging fruit it really is and and i don't want to sound callous but like, mm-hmm. like everybody fucking knows this is wrong. Everybody knows this subject material is wrong. Therefore, is we are all going to feel the same way about it. So yeah. when you write a song about this, like you know what you're getting yourself into. You know that it's going to elicit an emotional response from everybody, no matter what walk of fucking life they are, no matter what like, like culture. Like this is like wildly accepted as wrong. Yeah. But that's not what the song is about. The song is about how it affected him, and you don't see that. You just no, don't get those all. kind of songs ever. No, not at all. People take people grab the low hanging fruit. Like he grabbed the low hanging fruit, took a bite, and they like kind of put it back. And then now we're having like a song about the way it made him feel. I I, yep. I can't get over it. Like this is, it's amazing. This is an amazing song. This is like one of his best, maybe his best like songwriting he's ever done. Lyrically, maybe. lyrically, lyrically. It's it's definitely up there. It's it's a God. It's so extremely sad, but I. Because you feel bad for God, him. I feel I know, bad I know, for and him. The, and you don't feel bad about feeling that way. You know what I mean? Not like, at all. Like you can't, you can't blame him for writing a song about how he feels because it just shows, it shows how- He's human. How, how honest it is. Yeah, it's just pure honesty. It, nothing se- seems like, it's, it doesn't seem like he's showbody, showboating at all. It doesn't seem like he wants you to feel bad for him. It's just- God, I fucking love Jonathan Davis. I love this fucking band. I love this goddamn fucking band. <laughs> was, well, I mean, like, I, I love this, this band. This one, this one did hit me hard for sure. Like it hit me good, and I like the more I, I you know, I, I did the whole thing where like you're sad in the beginning because the situation was bad, but then I was like, well, wait a second, like I, that's not the point of the song. The point of the song isn't to feel bad for the situation. Yeah, the point of the song is to it acknowledges that we all already understand that the situation is bad. But now we're moving past that, and the point of the song is to kind of empathize with Jonathan Davis <laughs> and show us how he's feeling, and kind of like guide us into like his 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 inner inner self and and explore those feelings. Yep, and that's You're right. maybe that's what You're therapy right. is. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is that what Who people knows? do? Listen to fucking corn songs and therapy. <laughs> Let, let's break down these lyrics. It's pretty um, good. Pretty, 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 pretty. It was a pretty, pretty good song. It is. It is. All right. So let's move on to All in the Family then. Okay. Um, let's round it out on a happier note, stupid note, and then we'll give our uh, our final thoughts and rank the record. Um, so yeah, All in the Family. This is uh, Fred Durst from Limp Biscuits on this on this song. They were in the studio one time, one day, one night, and they were really drunk, all fucked up. They thought, let's make a fucking song together, and this is it. And Jonathan Davis has said, this is the worst song Korn has ever done. I think even Head said that too. They did not play this on the, at the 20th anniversary uh, show. They refused to play this song. 
to the disappointment I mean, of, of fans. No, okay, so like, first of all, Jonathan Davis is the worst on the song. He's he's garbage. <laughs> like, like Fred, Fred Durst is a good. Fred Durst is great at like almost everything he does. Jonathan yeah. Davis, even though supposedly he helped Fred write a lot of his 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 uh, disses, Jonathan Davis is atrocious. He is so fucking bad on this. It's laughable, <laughs> and uh, I, I get it. I get it because I, I think to be with Fred Durst. Like I don't know. Whatever. In the second but, ver- in the second verse, uh, one of John one of JD's lines is, "You look like one of those kids from the Hanson video, you little, you know, yeah. word how stupid." We're not allowed to say that word. That's a stupid diss. It's really stupid. Even though even though they're all stupid disses, but at, at <laughs> <They> least <are>. you <laughs> stuck okay, up so, uh, sucker, corny motherfucker. <laughs> Like my my favorite my my favorite is 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 Durst when he says so, so what you thinking Mr. Raggedy Man doing all, doing you, all can you can to look, to look like, like Raggedy, Raggedy Ann. Mother, oh my <laughs> God, come on! No, no, there's one worse than this. There's one that's, worse than this. That's so good though. It's that rhyming not, scheme so is so stupid. good. It's so dumb though. There's three different like things he's rhyming there: the man, can, and Ann, all in two things, and he's rhyming the Raggedy twice. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And we just broke down Limp Biscuit last week, and there's like three different fucking like rhyming concepts that he's doing just in those two lines. Oh man, Fred is so great. Ah, <sighs> so this next one here, it's Fred. He says, "Nappy hairy chest, look at Austin Powers," and then Jonathan comes in and says, "Ah, yeah, baby," like with the the Berlin oh. accent, the King's English. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fucking bad. That's so bad, but like I, I think I think like, I mean, just I guess the most iconic thing on the on the uh, track here is the whole halitosis thing, mm-hmm. coming at me with the "Are you ready?" But halitosis <laughs> is all you rocking like steady. Rockin steady. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's so good. Dude. That's taking like there. Man, there's so much. Like I could just dissect that thing for like an hour, right? Because he's taking Fred Durst is taking the "Are you ready?" Right. Mm-hmm. The like these essentially. What, 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 what started corn, corn, as we just got, dude, the alcohol's hitting me good now. <laughs> corn's corn. Limp Bizkit would not exist without corn's corn. We need to wrap it up soon. Jesus Wait, say that again? Limp, Limp Bizkit would not exist without corn's corn. True. And so are you ready? He's acknowledging like that, how, how influential the are you ready was not just like on music, but on him and the band and the genre. But instead of like going off of that, he says, but like halitosis. So he's like poo-pooing. It's it's disrespectful, right? It's it's poo-pooing like how influential that song is because I'm just mm-hmm. focused on your breath. And that's like when somebody talks and someone has a good point, you're like, oh, dude, but like your breath stinks. Like you just, <laughs> you take all wind out of their sails. It's so disrespectful. It's so fucking disrespectful. But this song is not good. Overall, no, the song is yeah. not good at all. And they, they actually did used to play this live um, during the Family Values 98 tour. And there's live video, like pro shot video of them playing this live. And both bands would be on stage. They had both drummers up there. And they're battling. There. They were battling. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And that's the fucking cool thing. You see like Wes battling head. And like there's two different break dancers on either side of the stage. Yeah. And drummers are battling. And Fred and like Jonathan Davis are kind of battling. <laughs> but really like... Like Jonathan Davis is just a horrible, horrible fucking rapper, and like you said, maybe he's got stage fright. I don't know, 
But God it's just damn. not his thing. Like, it's, it's not but his like thing. he raps good when he's by when he's by himself. He sounds fine. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, I don't know. I don't have anything more on on All in the Family. Just it's such a fucking silly song, but I still love it, and I know all the words to it, and I will sing yeah. along to it. It's a banger. Uh, <laughs> so it's a low banger. Um, but it's a banger. So yeah, uh, a couple of songs I wanted to actually the a couple B sides that are actually really really good. I don't think you listen to them, but the song I can remember uh, and the song Camel Song, uh, which was on the End of Days soundtrack, really really good B sides from this record. I recommend checking them out on, you can only find them on YouTube. They're not on Spotify or anything, but they're both really, really good songs. Check them out. Um, but otherwise I'm good to give our final thoughts, uh, rate this record based off of our three point, our world famous three point rating system where three is a perfect album. Two is a good album. You're going to continue to listen to one is a bad album. Give it a shot. And zero is the worst thing you've ever heard. So, uh, final thoughts rating go. We didn't even mention like, like, the influence of corn stretches far beyond like music image, but like family values itself, right? Yeah. Like the tour itself. This is uh this is something they're, they're putting on They're They're touring. They're bringing bands that may not get a lot of exposure, maybe giving more exposure than corn, but they're putting something on for the fans. They're charging a, a, a good amount for tickets, not like unreasonable, but like, you know, fair. That's everybody agrees. It's fair, if not cheap. And I think that's, that's something that's, that's great. That that's, I think, no, I think, I think what it was, I think they were charging no more than like $30 a ticket for family well, values. For 1998. That's, uh, oh. I don't know if that's like fucking cheap or not. Well, but. remember when we saw, when they, when they resurrected family values, what year was that? Was that? Oh, six. Oh yeah. That was after high school. Yeah, it was like $10 for the lawn seats. That's pretty sick. But that was an intentional act by a band that already has a bunch of fucking money. True. This is a band that's still kind of up and coming. Yeah, they have a bunch of money, but they're still tied to record contracts. They still owe people money. You know what I mean? They're not not quite established yet on like a decade standpoint. True. But Korn's done more for the new metal genre than, than anybody and and saying that's like like an understatement. I mean, nobody even sure. comes close. Limbisic comes close, but they're only there because Corn did it first. And I don't want to say better, right. but laid laid the groundwork, paved mm-hmm. a path. I I don't want to give this album a perfect three because I don't think it's perfect. I don't. I think there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of songs on here that are okay. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna give it a perfect fucking three. I'm not gonna do okay. it. There's I, okay. a lot of songs on here that are okay. I, I think this is incredibly important. Everything about this album is just so fucking, God, it's just so like meticulous. Artwork, music, like everything about this yeah. tour, the, the genre, the, the, the image. God damn, this guy's just built, built an empire that still gets made fun of today, but we're still talking about it. No matter what, right? You're still yep. talking about it. That, that's fucking great. So then what's your, what's, your, uh, what's your rating? Three? No, I, I'll do, uh, I'll do, I'll, I'll do two eight, two point eight, two point eight. Okay, yeah, I'll do two point eight. Fine. I'll do two point eight because I really do, I really do think there are songs on here that are just not that great. Okay, that's that's fair. I don't agree, but that's fair. All right, my final Wait. thoughts. Um, I agree. This is arguably one of the most influential records. I think of the nineties. It really, really is because of how it 
just it exploded on the scene it brought this band to the mainstream they they were one of the biggest bands in the world at this point um musically what they did was so unique bands just are a shadow of corn i mean nobody could sound like this band um i agree some of the songs are silly and dumb but when you look at when they were making this record how this record was made you know just all the all the details of it it's cool it's fucking cool that they have these stupid songs because it just shows how much fun these guys were having yeah they were fucked up but i mean when you're 24 years old and you know you have essentially unlimited amounts of money you know of course you're gonna do this kind of shit you're gonna create stupid fucking songs that's fine it adds to the to the character of the the album the band and just it's 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 a time capsule of this era as silly and dumb as it was at points, it, it's a true time capsule of this this era of music and and culture, really, at this point. Because, I mean, fucking culture-wise, every fucking seventh grader, eighth grade teenager was wearing, like, a corn shirt or some sort of new metal band shirt. You know what I mean? It, corn was fucking everywhere. So, highly influential, amazing record. The greatest song of all time is on this record. Um, I love the goofiness of it. And with that, I don't do this often. Go ahead. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this record a perfect three out of three. Go ahead. It's a three out of. It's a three. It's a three, baby. Okay. All it's right. a three, baby. Okay. Okay. It's great. So, oh man, new metal season is over. We've done it. We have completed new metal season. We've beaten it. Gotten the platinum trophy on it. Um, I don't know. Do we have anything else? It's fucking late. I'm toasty. That's it. It is It is late. I am toasty. <laughs> we got the new right. metal season. We did. Well, thank you all for listening. Give us five stars. Hope you all enjoyed it. We're going to keep uh, kind of... We're transitioning out, so we're going to do a Ross Robinson uh, produced album yeah. next week. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> and that's it. That's all. Yeah! Orange is looping something. first experience with corn was the freak on leash video and then which i thought the video was cool but i didn't like the song but then i heard got the life on the radio on k-rock one day and that that literally changed everything (laughs) that got the life changed the way i looked at music genres then yeah it's top 10 but if it's if we're just talking about rock then it's top five top three maybe well, top three is all Pinkerton songs, so. Well, that that's really <laughs> stupid. God, maybe get you that. That's <laughs> that's the best song on Pinkerton. We all know that. Jesus, it's the worst Pinkerton song. Oh, so good. Get you is I respect, not. I respect get the you. commitment, though. I like it. <laughs> it's not a commitment. Bit. It is the commitment it is the, the best bit. song on Pinkerton. That's good. But not like they are on issues. Issues is way fucking different. That's a bad comparison. It's not a bad comparison. It's yes, it a direct, is. The first, it's a, they're following. The first four records are you drastically for sure have your corn goggles on. You for no, sure have your corn goggles no, on. Absolutely, I don't. get your no. KGs on. No, I got my corn contacts in. <laughs> so like corn magnifiers. <laughs> corn magnifiers. Your corn uh, yeah. microscopes. There you go. Corn microscopes. Your KMs. <laughs> my CCs in.
or my KCs. I should say. <laughs> um. Anyway, I like CCs. <laughs> <laughs> your CCs instead of your KGs. 